0: Thessalonians 5.18 says, this is the will of God, to give thanks for, to God in all circumstances. And this will make sense in a minute, but i like to give thanks for Google. And uh, Tracy knows what I'm talking about. So I was cleaning out my office this week, and then suddenly I realized, dude, where's my phone? I could not find my phone. And I looked everywhere for it, looked in my apartment, looked in the church... I I was rather flustered, I even went over to Tracy's house and said, can I use your phone to track down my phone? Still couldn't find it. I went to the Verizon and they're like, you know, Google can track your phone. And I'm like, okay. So I went online and found my Google device and turned on the alarm and I heard it coming from the fellowship hall and I I realized that I had thrown away my phone (laughs) without knowing it. And those of you who know me know that's exactly what I would do. And I'm just very thankful um, for all the engineers who who worked on tracking software for my phone. I definitely reaped that which I did not labor. And uh, I think that gets into our, our final message today, which is about spiritual gratitude. The Lord seeking us, and the Lord drawing us out of the pit. This comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 23, which you can, uh, let me see if I can find that, on page 1133 of your pew Bibles. This is Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. Listen for the word of God to you. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, The faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mysteries of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to put in effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked with him, with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of those in God's possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called the riches of his inglorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of he- in the heavenly realms, far above rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is to be invoked, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us to give life to our mortal bodies. Lord, let us. T- compare ourselves to this world which is running on empty, but let us compare ourselves to your glorified church which is always full and will fill us when, we, when you open our eyes. Lord, any words that I say that are not of your will, I ask that they fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever I say that is of your will, I ask that embed in hearts and bear good fruit unto the kingdom of God, Lord, let us not hinder your word, but feed your sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. So sometimes our schedules can get so full that things fall through the cracks. And they can be filled with good and meaningful things, but they can get so full sometimes that things fall from, from the cracks or fall in the trash can, as the case may be. I was reminded of this with a story with my mentor, the Reverend Dr. Robert Johnson. I mentioned him on occasion from this pulpit. Robert was a missionary in Pakistan for three years at Foreman Christian College, the only Christian college in Pakistan, and when he returned to Richmond, he gave me my first job during an economic downturn. He created a job for me out of nothing, and he was my first spiritual father. Taught me a lot about what it is to be a pastor, a father, and a son. And Robert is one of the most capable people I have ever met. He's a tall gentleman, powerful gentleman. And uh, people put him in charge of stuff. Whenever he gets put on jury duty, they elect him as foreman. He gets a little tired of it. It's sort of his thing. But he's good at it. And when you're good at something, people keep giving you more of that something. And so much so that sometimes things can fall through the cracks. I remember one instance when something fell through the cracks uh, with Robert. I was driving to his house to go to dinner along with one of his students from Pakistan who had come over to the United States to study pharmacy. We were going to go out to dinner that night. Me, uh, this Pakistani student, Sajad, and his three sons, We were talking about where to go to dinner. And me being a very forgetful person, as I have already demonstrated. Remember that Robert had a speaking engagement at another church for a fundraiser sometime that week, but I had no idea when it was. And I asked Robert, hey, Robert, how did that, that fundraiser go? And it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. We got to get across town right now. He had completely forgot that he had been scheduled to speak at a black tie event. So we went as we were, and we spoke. And we We did speed in the spirit of the Lord. There is liberty. And we got across town and we ate dinner. And it was more of a formal black tie fundraising event. And Robert came in jeans and a uh, plaid shirt. And uh, he got up there. He pulled out his iPhone. Brought up Ephesians and started preaching from Ephesians. And it was perhaps the best sermon I've ever heard him give. He even worked in his dress code into the sermon. He was like, well, you know, the, the early Christians at Ephesus, they were working people. They would come to church right after work, so they would come in jeans and flannel shirt. And I was like, nice, Robert. <laughs> that, that, that was a nice move right there. And he preached that sermon, and uh, it was probably one of the best sermons I've ever heard him give. And uh, we got back into the car, and I turned to Robert. I was like, Robert, did you just make that up? And he said, yep. <laughs> and we, we all just burst out laughing. Because that's, that's uh, one of Robert's gifts, is pulling things out of the fire. Is pulling things out of the pit. You know, we spend our lives trying to fill our time that we've been given. We fill our lives with jobs and mortgages and kids and school and church. And all of these things are good things. But we can fill our lives with such good things And yet, still be running on empty inside, and things fall through the cracks. And then, what we do is we compare ourselves to other people, and we're like, oh, those people are doing much better, and they're probably doing the same thing with us, just in a different sphere of life, because they're running on empty too, just in a different place that we are, but we can't see it, so we're constantly comparing each other to others, and we're constantly emptying ourselves and running. On empty, because this entire world, matter of fact, is running on empty. But the good news today is Paul tells us that with the church, that's not true. With the church, the church is always full, if we would only have God open our eyes. And the good news today is when our eyes are opened, we shall see that the church is full of every spiritual blessing. The church is full. Every spiritual blessing. Now, you may be saying, well, that's great, pastor. Spiritual blessings are great, but, you know, I, I have a mortgage to pay. I have a family to feed. I have the lights to keep on. I have a marriage to maintain. Can spiritual blessings fix all these, all these things? No, maybe not in an instance. You know, even like healings that we see in an instant, they're, they're usually a process building up over time. You see, these spiritual blessings, these invisible things, are what underlie the physical world. And when the world passes away, these blessings will remain. As the scriptures say, love will remain after all things have passed away. But we doubt. We doubt if spiritual blessings are enough because we look around and we see that not all the pews are filled or not all the budgets are balancing. We doubt. I doubt too. I doubt too. I was reminded of my doubts when I went over to see my uh, Pakistani friend who I, I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon a couple weeks ago. Um, he had come to the States with barely anything, and the Lord has just piled on physical blessings with him. It seems like everything went right for my friend Sajad step by step, even though he had no plan to speak of everything When right. he got through pharmacy school and now he runs three pharmacies in the area. Got married to a lovely Pakistani woman. Had a lovely daughter probably in 2016 who was born premature and had to be in the incubator, I think, for about three months. And now she's a healthy kid today. But, you know, his life is so full and my life was so full that I came here in 2016 and it took us three years. It took us three years to get together. And when I, when I did, it was so good to see my friend, Sajad, who's perhaps one of the most kind and gentle people I have ever met. It was so good to see this amazing house he lived in and to watch his wedding ceremony, which was like a Bollywood production. And, uh, of course, the Briani, which, as some of you know, is my favorite dish from Pakistan, the weight of my heart is through my stomach, as many of you have no doubt figured out. And I finally was like, yes, I am reaping a harvest. I am reaping a harvest in my ministry. But as I looked at Sajad's life and I looked at my own, I felt a tinge of doubt because I had none of these things. Didn't have a big house, a wife, our kids. Didn't know where my career was going. And I wondered if my life was full enough. Because while I believe there's good in all things, that there's good in every religion, even Islam. My friend is an example of that. I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The way to the fullness of God. The, the image of the invisible God in the face of Jesus Christ. And though my friend thanked me for my kindness in helping him start out, I knew the truth. That that's just the film reel of my life. The real will, his faith is tinged with love and fear, with patience and anger. And if maybe he knew that I was a mixed bag, would he see that the church was full enough to forsake it all and to follow Christ? Because it would cost him more than it would cost anyone in this room today. And and the truth of the matter is, is, I'm not full enough. I'm a mixed bag. You're a mixed bag. But together, the scripture says, we are the body of Christ. In our broken bodies and in our broken hearts and in our broken souls, we come together to form his body, one spirit, one baptism, one Lord. And he says, together, together we are full. Together, though we may not be able to see Christ's body standeth upon the earth and he reigns. All we have to do is be ask the Lord to help us see that spiritual blessings endure, physical blessings pass away. But first, we need, we need a spiritual hunger. How do we get that hunger? Well, Jesus tells us, in the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of John, Jesus was having a big day of ministry. He had just ministered to a Samaritan woman by a well, and he had sent his disciples to get some food um, for dinner. And the disciples came back, and he's like, Rabbi, you're tired. you got to eat something. And Jesus says, I have food that you don't have. And people are looking around. It's like, who fed him? Who beat us for providing for our master? Who ...who beat us from showing that we are proficient... ...that we can do it for ourselves... ...that we are in control. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me... ...and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It is still four months till the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and the harvest a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I think Jesus is pretty clear about the origins of spiritual hunger. It is to admit the fact that we have all reaped what we have not sown, If it was not for many engineers spending many years putting together this software, I'd be paying a couple hundred bucks for a new phone right now. But because I reaped what I did not sow, I am grateful. And we have all reaped in some ways what we did not sow. And the expression of that is gratitude. Gratitude is where spiritual hunger Begins. It is what turns on that search device of God where he turns on the button and he finds us in the pit of our despair. And he draws us up out of the trash. He draws us up out of the pit. That's what it means to be predestined, to give up control and give it to God. And if you're hearing that today, you have been predestined and you need to accept the call. What, what is it like to be drawn up out of the pit? You know, my mentor Robert has shown me over and over again. There's another man there. That night I had dinner with my friend Sajad. His name's Peter. He's Robert's son. When I first met Peter, he was 11 years old. And he's actually adopted. He's from China. But I could barely tell that he was adopted. He fit in so well in their family. They found Peter in an orphanage in China with many physical health conditions. And God only knows. God only knows what would happen to him if they had not drawn him out of the pit. And they couldn't do it for everyone they had to make a choice. Because they made that choice, Peter's life was changed. And now he's a man graduating college. And I talked to Robert, and I'm like, Robert, do you think he knows what has been done for him. And Robert replied, I hope so. I hope he does. Because that was done for me. Because even though my mentor is one of the most talented men I have ever met, he did not come from a great family. He came from the pits. He came from the pits. And even though he has so many talents and such a presence, he admits, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I have the things I have except for the sovereign hand of God. So I take that sovereign hand and I do it for others because it was done for me. And he did that for me. He did that for Sajad. He did that for Peter. And though many will not remember Robert's name, I do. Because to him, he is the sovereign hand of God in my life. And you have that hand in your life if you give up control. And I give you thanks for Calvin. Because through your patience and kindness and love and endurance and suffering, you have drawn me up from the pit. Therefore, I give thanks for Calvin with all God's people. And I don't stop remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... The glorious Father may give Calvin a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that Calvin may know the hope to which you all have been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in you, his holy people, and his incomparably great power for Calvin when you all believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms, above every power and dominion and name that is to be named. And God placed all things under his feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Whatever way we may travel, whatever trials we may face, let us not compare ourselves, To a world that is running on empty. Instead let us compare ourselves to his church. The communion of saints. For we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses. And the church is full. Oh God's glorious church. The church called and equipped. The church redeemed with resurrection power. That flows through us even now. The church that stands on the earth and over the earth, and calls all people to himself. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. As we fall on our knees with the face to the rising sun, may you show us all, Lord, that the church is full. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith by singing the hymn,